0: Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this day, and Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Father, we just ask you right now in the name of Jesus that you would give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Father, we pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we might know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of your power toward us who believe. Father, we pray that the people would prepare their hearts to be good ground to receive the seed of the Word, Father, that will bring forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundredfold. And Lord, we thank You that right now, Lord, You said You confirm Your Word with signs following. And Father, we thank you. We're in agreement with our pastor. We see this building full. Father, we see extra. We see all the extra chairs put out, and we see this building full. And Father, we thank you that right now you are confirming your word and you're drawing people in. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I've said this before. I'll just, I'll just take a second to exhort you. Praise God. Do you know, do you, do you believe God said I, that He confirms His Word with signs following? Do you know that while you're sitting here and you're feeding your spirit, this isn't wasted time. You're being fed the Word. You're being taught the Word. Faith is being, the, the seeds of faith are being sown in your heart that has the opportunity to bring forth a harvest. And this is the thing, there's things going on in your life that are preoccupying you, that the devil's trying to keep your mind distracted and trying to keep you busy, and there's and there's circumstances that you'd like to change, and sure and some of, and some of you probably there's stuff going on right now in your life that, you, that the devil's trying to think, man, what are you doing here sitting in this church wasting your time? You need to be going doing this, man. You need to be you got you got schoolwork to do. You need to be home doing your homework, man. You got you know you got an exam coming. You got to go get ready for that, man. You got you got reports to fill out. You got this stuff to do. You know, you got to take care of mom. You got to, and all this stuff. But you've chosen the good thing. Remember what Jesus told Mary and Martha? Remember when Martha came and said, "Lord," she said, "You know, you got to get on to her. She's just sitting around here. She's sitting around your feet, listening to you talk. And I'm up here working my fingers to the bones. Why don't you rebuke that lazy thing and tell her to come uh, help me?" And Jesus said, "He said, Martha, he said, you're encumbered by many things. Encumbered means weighed down." Burdened by many things. He said, she's chosen a, what's it say? Good thing. Why? Because God confirms His Word. And when faith springs up in your heart and you're hearing God's Word and it becomes real to you and that faith begins to to grow and to sprout up in you and it brings your thinking in line with God's Word, it brings your speaking in line with God's Word, it brings your behavior in line with God's Word, and you're living your life and you don't even realize it. You're growing. You're growing. You can't observe. You don't observe it. You know what, your family that hasn't seen you for six months or a year or two years, when they see you, like, my God, you're not even the same person. What's going on? But you're not realizing. This is like when you was a kid. Remember, you wouldn't see people in your family for a year or two. Maybe go in at Christmas and they see you, say, man, you, look how much you've grown, how much you've changed. And you, when you were a kid, you're like, you didn't notice it any. Why? Because you were just doing what you, you were doing what it took to grow. You kept on breathing and you kept on eating, right? That's all it takes for Savannah to grow. You feed her, change the diaper, she keeps sucking wind and she keeps getting bigger. Amen? And you understand that when that's going on and there's a change going on in your life and the the, the Word and the Spirit is producing a change in you, that you're changing and that you're growing and that that Word that you're hiding in your heart, man, God is confirming it. And those circumstances that the devil's trying to use to distract you and to keep you from pressing in and staying after the things of God... You just keep you just keep choosing the good thing. You just yeah, there's a hundred distractions that could keep me from being here, but I need to choose the good thing. Because when I go, I'm going to get my faith fed. And when that faith gets fed and my faith grows, man, God confirms His Word with signs following and He's going to work those things out. The very thing that the devil's trying to get you to fret yourself silly about and just robbing your peace and trying to keep you from sleeping good at night, you're getting in the Word and your faith's growing and your spirit man's getting strong. And praise God, it's going to break off and God's going to work it out. Why? Because He confirms His Word with signs following. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, what are we talking about? We're talking about overcoming identity theft. Amen? We started a series. Uh, this is the third, uh, third teaching in the series. Overcoming identity theft. And we're really talking about who you are in Christ. You need to know who you, who you are. Because we, we've mentioned this, and we'll, and we'll do a little bit of review quickly. We'll touch on some things. We, we started talking about in the first teaching, Uh, that actually did record, amen, about the original intent, how God created man, He placed him in the garden, He said, I'm giving you, uh, we called it the Dominion Commission, where God said, I'm giving you dominion, I'm giving you authority over all the works of my hands, you're gonna, you're gonna rule over it, how God had a high opinion of man, cause Psalms chapter 8 says, what is man that are mindful of him, or the son of man that thou regardest him, you have made him a little lower than the angels, and we, told you that some translation the contemporary English version says you've made him a little lower than yourself psalmist is talking to God you've made him a little lower than yourself and where it says you have made man a little lower than the angels it's the Hebrew word Elohim and that word Elohim is in the beginning Elohim created the heavens and the earth they say why didn't the King James translators say Elohim why didn't they say you know you've made him a little lower than God well you know that sounds a little blasphemous to religious people, but that is what the word says. You've crowned him with glory and honor, and you've and tell me and we said, does this sound familiar? The psalmist said, you've created him a little lower than God. You've crowned him with glory and honor, and you've set him over all the works of your hands. And how in the original intent, God had the high the man when god created adam he said man it don't get any better this is the crown jewel this is the crowning achievement of my creation i have made this man in my likeness and in my image and then we talked about how sin entered in and how adam he turned that he surrendered that authority to satan and satan became the the bible says in second corinthians i believe chapter four it says that satan is the god of this world and it's god with a little g he is the theos the god of this world And that was given to him. But that when Jesus came back, the Bible says Jesus became the second Adam. Some translations say the last Adam. But that Jesus came back, and the plan that Jesus had was not a get out of hell free card for humanity. But his intention was I am reinstating the original intent. I'm coming to establish the kingdom of God back on the earth. Because you understand that in the beginning, Adam fell from the kingdom. He fell from authority. God had a system of authority, a system of government where God was the king of the universe. He owned the earth because he created The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, everything that's on the earth. And God, and you understand that the king can give a royal grant to whomever he wants to over his possession. And that is in fact what happened. And so Jesus came back to say, "Look, we ain't just—I ain't just coming back to to get you for, just get you forgiveness for your sins and just to get you get out of hell free card. I am coming back to restore the kingdom and the dominion that God gave man in the beginning." Amen. Yes. And so we began to look last week at, uh, at and on handout two, we were looking at uh, you know, when we make Jesus Lord uh, that we're, that we're baptized and, that, and we said that baptism means to be covered. Uh, completely with a fluid, Um, John, if we look at some stuff, said uh, the three things, this was the three things we're going to be looking at that Adam lost in the fall. And the first was his relationship with God the Father. He lost his purpose, and he lost the benefits of righteousness. And so if we begin to look last week, and we stepped into it a little bit, uh, looking at the restoration of relationship and we said that John uh, John John's gospel chapter uh, 1 verse 12 says uh, to as many as received him who received Jesus as many as received him he gave the power the right or the authority to become the sons of God now j- just quickly we want to reemphasize this we said this the first teaching we want to reemphasize this if you don't know what something is made and designed and intended to do what did we say it lends to abuse of that thing you know somebody gives you some you ever have somebody give you a gift and you're not really sure what it is it doesn't come with you know, and they didn't give you the instructions uh, for anything you're like dude what is it and you don't know how to maybe it's some uh you know maybe it's some piece of electric, electronic equipment maybe it is uh maybe it's a mechanical you know maybe it's uh, maybe it's some type of lawn mower, lawn equipment or something like that. Something that uh, you have to uh, you have to shift the gears or engage a gear or engage a PTO in a certain fashion. And if you do it the wrong way, you can get you can get it in, but it can damage it. Um, I remember when I was a boy, my dad had a had a a, a little small walk behind. Uh, tiller is called a gravely. You could actually exchange, interchange the heads on it. You could put a uh, brush hog head on it. You could put a row tiller head on it. And when you went to engage that PTO, you had to have a couple of levers in the right position, and before you pulled that handle to engage whatever implement you had on it. And you could go ahead and not have stuff in the right position, and you could go ahead and you could grab it and you could pull it in. You'll you'll like this driving a truck grinding gears, when I said grind them till you find them last week, or, and, you, and you grind it until something slips in place. But how many of you know that if you don't know, you know how it was designed to operate and you can you know, you know can figure out how to work something a little bit, but if you don't know how it was designed and operated and you've not looked at the owner's manual, you might work it, but every time you're doing that, you're shortening the life expectancy of that piece of equipment or some electronic device that you're not utilizing correctly. If you don't shut your computer down correctly. How many of you have done that? Oh, let's just unplug it. It takes too long to shut down. Just let me press the button and hold it. Now, sometimes you've got to do that to reboot them, right, because they lock up. But I how many you know you're supposed to go click on the little pearl and it drops the little menu down and you click on shut down and you close it down that way? If you just yank the plug out the wall, most of the time when you plug it back in and start it back up, it's going to say, Windows closed down incorrectly. We need to scan your little hard drive and make sure something's not jacked up because you didn't do it right. So the point is, if you do not know the way something was designed by its creator to function, it lends to abuse. And so if we said this about the, the, the lives of, uh, like, our life. If we don't know what was the original intent, what did God originally plan for us to be, in and, and light of what Jesus has done on the cross, the blood that was shed that, that redeemed you, the plan of salvation, if you don't know how God intends for you to operate in that, it tends to, it, it gives you the higher likelihood of abusing that. And that's what we see in people's lives. People's lives who do not know Jesus Christ, who have not made Jesus Christ their Lord. And this is the thing. We'll say this. Even carnal Christians. Now, say, oh, here we go, Pastor. I'm so carnal. Amen. Well, you know what? I'll say this before. i would be lying to you. You know, every one of us, as long as we're in this flesh, you're going to have fleshy stuff to deal with. You, your goal ought to be, though, the further you go in it, the less influence your 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 flesh and your emotions have on you and the more your spirit has amen. right we're striving toward that it doesn't mean that every once in a while you're not going to you know have a emotional freak out going on right like once a month or a week or every day you have it a couple of times and no, I'm kidding. amen amen but you're growing right you're growing but you understand this that uh, we talked about that You need to know who you are. You need to know what your relationship is. You need to know how God sees you. And so we said the first thing that Adam lost was his relationship. So the first thing you need to realize is, and we've said this, how many of you, I grew up in a church where people would stand up and they would testify and they'd cry and snot and and tears be ruined. I just love the Lord. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Heard preachers say, you're just an old sinner saved by grace. You know, they'd sing songs. Amazing grace, how sweet sounded, sound that saved a wretch like me. Now I understand where that song's coming from. I understand. You understand that all of us. Before you got saved, you were a wretch. Man, it don't matter how good you were, how bad you were. It don't matter if you uh, never used a dirty word in your life, or if you cussed and drank like a sailor, huh? It doesn't matter if you were as chaste as <laughs> if you were a chaste virgin, or if you were as you know loose as a goose. That didn't matter. You were a wretch. You were a wretch, but you understand that don't degrade the blood of Jesus. Don't esteem lowly what God did for you. Because like we said, Jesus did not shed his blood just to get you a get-out-of-hell-free card. He, his plan from the very beginning, from the foundation of the earth is, you know what, we're going to get them back. I've said this before. If God, think about it. You've got to think, amen, an unexamined faith is not worth having. Think about it. If what Jesus did, if it does not culminate with getting man back in the original intent, there's a new... He- read your Bible. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. That new Jerusalem that we sing about, the streets of gold, the walls of jasper, the gates of pearl, oh, the great city, gold city coming down. It's coming down from God out of heaven. It's not in heaven. It's in heaven now, but in the end, read your Bible, in the end, it comes down from God out of heaven. And Peter said there, that this earth and the heavens, uh, you know, and you understand the heavens, that there's three heavens, the atmosphere of the earth, outer space, and the domain of God. But it says the earth and the heavens, so let's just say this earth and the atmosphere around this earth, that it's going to be destroyed by fire. He said there will be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. God's original purpose was I've got man created in my image and in my likeness. They rule and they have dominion and reign on the earth. My will is done on earth just as it is in heaven because man rules the earth as I intend him to. And anything short of that being the end product of what Jesus did for mankind then Satan succeeded in thwarting god's plan now i don 't know about you but I absolutely refuse to believe for one minute that Satan is going to thwart what god's original intention was i don't think he'd do it you know I don't think he got enough backside to do it huh I think he got his I think he, I think the devil let his alligator mouth out talk his hummingbird backside and I don't think he can handle it I don't know about you but the God I serve is bigger than the devil amen but you understand this that the relationship God, God does not see you as some old refurbished sinner that used to be someone that used to be a sinner. Amen? It says He gave you the power. Remember this. Man, Luke 338 smoked me, blew me away the first time I read it and saw it for what it said. It said Luke 338 says, That Adam was the son of God. That's in your Bible. That's in the Bible that you carry into the church. The Bible that sits on the dashboard of your car. Amen. The one that sits on the back of your toilet in your bathroom, so you can read it when you go in there. Right? Your Bible says that Adam was a son. Was the son of God? Amen. When it's going, it's show. It's discussing the lineage of Jesus from from uh, his earthly side, from Joseph all the way back to Adam. It says Seth the son. It ends up Seth the son of Adam. Adam the son of God. Amen. And so you understand this, Jesus came back, as many as received Him, He gave the power, the right, or the authority to become the sons of God. Galatians 3.26 says, All believers are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? You understand that it, it's more than just you become a reformed something or another. They say, well, Pastor Brian, why are you spending so much time driving this in? Because if you don't know, God sees you as a son. And I've said this before, ladies. It came to me one morning. I was praying, the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I was praying. We were praying before service. I was praying, and the Holy Spirit, you know, I said, I was saying, thank you, Lord, as many as believe in you, you gave us the power to become the sons of God. And it just comes to me, the Holy Spirit said, you know, said, that phrase, he said, that is one of the greatest phrases of women's liberation that's ever been uttered. Amen. Because, you know, some women, you know, some women take offense and that oh, but to become the sons of God. And you'll find out even some more liberal translations of the Bible, some more contemporary translations of the Bible, will say, to as many as received him, he gave the power to become the children of God. But it literally, it literally says, as many as received him, he gave the power to become the sons of God. And the, reason, the whole spirit said, the reason it's such a phrase of liberation, it just says, in the culture he was speaking to, you know, because you, you can take the Bible literal in some things. And you do have to understand a little bit about the culture that it was speaking to. Amen. This is the thing, cultures are different, but people stay the same. Right? There's stingy people in every culture. There's loving people in every culture. There's hateful, mean people in every culture. There's dumb people in every culture. There's smart people in every every culture. Amen? Do you understand this? Is that in the culture that he was speaking to, women were considered second-class citizens. They were considered second-class citizens. But But a man... And a son in the family, and this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, he it's said, one of the greatest verses of women's liberation that's ever been spoken. Because you remember in Galatians, I believe, chapter 3, chapter 4, it says in Christ there's neither male nor female. In other words, when you become born again and you are in Christ, and we said uh, that that means that, that God sees you, you are placed in the body. You are part of Christ. Now, don't get me wrong, there's only one Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord head of the church. He's the head. But the Bible makes it clear the church is the body. And are you in the church? Yes, you're in the church. You're in the body. And we said you don't differentiate between someone's head and their body. When Jimmy Ruby come in this evening, I didn't say, hey, here comes Jimmy's head and his body's coming in with him. <laughs> Amen. I mean, maybe if he got Rosalie real mad, his head might come in the building before he did. Amen. His body did. Amen.
1: <laughs> but he wouldn't do that. Jimmy's,
0: Jimmy's, a, Jimmy's a good husband, right? Jimmy wouldn't do that. He's a good husband. He's a smart man, too. You know, Jimmy's a smart guy. He knows better than that. Amen. But you're in Christ. And so God, see, God sees you as part of the body of Christ. The Bible even says in Ephesians that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You are, you are. You don't need to see yourself as I'm just some poor little beat down. I'm just some worm. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, 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 no. You used to be a sinner. The Bible says you, were, you weren't even alive to God. The Bible says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead. You were a dead man walking. But the Bible says that you were made alive in Christ and that you have been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're, you realize your life when you said, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the supreme authority in my life. Uh, from now on, from this point on, you're the boss. You're the man. I'm going to do my best to just, to grow in you and to live a life that's pleasing to you. And from that point on, and you began on this journey. At that point, man, you're, the Bible says your life became hidden in Christ. And God don't no longer see. Just there, there's Jimmy Ruby. There's Chuck. God don't see. Yeah, you know, there's Rosalie. God says, I, I see. The, I see Jesus Christ. I see my son. And you're baptized into. the, Remember, it says by one Spirit we've all been baptized into the body. And that word baptized means to be completely enveloped or covered in a fluid. Your life, the whole. When you made Jesus Lord, it was your spirit man was made. was quickened and made alive and placed into the body of Christ. And God, when God sees you, He sees that you are His child. But back to that, the, as many as received Him, He gave the power to become the sons of God. Sons in that culture had authority in the family. Women didn't have authority in the culture. Amen? But you understand, that's why that verse was so liberating to women because He said, look, He said, you know what? As many as received Him, He gave the power to become the sons of God. In other words, you become someone in the family that's esteemed and you have authority in the kingdom. Amen? Anyway, praise God. Romans 8, uh, 14... In Galatians 4, 6, this is on page 1. I think this is actually where we ended last week. Um, in these verses, it says, that we can cry in that blank is, Abba, Father.
1: And you understand that,
0: that that word Abba is an affectionate word. You know, it's not some band from the early 80s. You know. Some of you might have some Abba records. I know Barry Womack likes Abba. Blew me away. Barry Womack was a helps minister at the church that we were at in Huntington. I'm like, I'm like, dude, dude, you're an Abba fan? I should have known, Barry. When I saw that picture of you with an afro, Barry Womack, I should have known you were an Abba fan. Amen? But Abba Father, it's an affectionate term. And it is, Daddy, an affectionate reference of a child with an intimate relationship with the Father. You need to realize that Jesus didn't come if our perception of God is He is some... And understand this, and, and I will say this. One of the reasons the devil wants to attack the home and destroy the home and break marriages and make men hard toward their children is because if he can get you to have a warped perception of what daddy is. Every child that's ever been abused by daddy. You know, some, if you had a daddy that was an affectionate, loving father that would pull you up on his lap, hug you, love on you, was involved in your life, then relating to God as father, man, that's cake for you. Because you go, Father, yeah, man, my father loved me. He was great. But, man, if your daddy was a drunk, if your daddy was a philanderer and run around on your mama, if your daddy, you know, uh, took off and left you and abandoned you when you was a kid and, you, and left you and your mama to go fend for yourself and it was, life was a hardship, well, then that makes it hard for you to relate to your heavenly father. How many of you know dad's in here? Man, that's what God intends. God intends for you to live in such a way and model your life toward your children in such a way, amen, that it makes it easier for them to relate to God as Father. Amen. Man, Father, that means provider. That means source. That means one who cares for, one who takes care of. He loves me affectionately. He's my protector. Huh? And, if, and God wants us to model that. Amen. And this is the thing. You realize it ain't never too late to just keep getting better at it. It don't matter if your kids are all moved out; you still get better, right? I mean, it ain't like they moved to the moon and you know they don't have a cell phone to call you or anything, right? God continually wants you to be God continually wants you to be growing, but you understand this is that the, there's a difference between you can tell the kid you know the kid you know that the, 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 they have a cold, distant relationship with their father, you know, it's father or bad or and, and there's not a lot of affection, but when it's daddy, I shared this. Pastor Shyan thought it was funny that my mother who is now 63 years old. My grandmother passed away three or four years ago. My mom was 58, 59 years old, and she still called her mom Mommy. I remember when my grandfather passed away, they called him Daddy. Shines like, that's weird. They're grown, and they say, Daddy, and Mommy, like a little kid. I said, they're very affectionately attached to their parents. It's, it's a term of affection. It's beyond just, you know, yeah, you're just a dude. That I grew up in your house. No, no, no. It's Abba, Father. God want, And that's how God wants you to relate to Him. He is not some cold, distant, unaffectionate, keeping you at arm's distance uh, authority figure in your life. And the sad thing is that's how the majority of Christians seem. Now, make no mistake, He is an authority figure in your life. But He is not a cold, distant, uh, unapproachable, unaffectionate Father. He wants you to call Him Abba, Father. But... On, on, the, on page 2 of the handout, <clears throat> Ephesians two twenty one and 22 says, We are no longer strangers and foreigners. So we're talking about relationship. Relationships been restored with God the Father. We're no longer strangers and foreigners, but citizens and members of, and this is the blank to fill in, the household of God. You need to realize that when you made Jesus Lord and you became born again, it, it was a lot more than you just got your name on a church roll or you bec- you didn't become just some member of some society or something. You actually became a member of the household of God. You're His family. God, will not, He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Amen? He's Daddy. How many of y'all know that you can get angry with your kids and you can withdraw uh, benefits from them, but they ain't never going to change the relationship, is it? Amen? When y'all were raising your daughters, I'm sure there were times in your life that you had to discipline them. It's like, okay, give me the car keys. Okay, yeah. Then you ain't going out no more. Yeah, okay. As a matter of fact, I ain't even feeding you now. Just go to your room. Yeah. No, wait a minute. You're too skinny. I need to feed you something. Come here. Yeah. <laughs> here, have two sandwiches, right? You know amen. But even when a parent has to discipline the child because you understand this, if you don't discipline, the Bible teaches, if you don't discipline your child, you hate them. Too many parents running around today want to be buddy with their kid and don't ever want to do nothing to hurt their feelings. that's the thing. You love them and, and be an affectionate parent with them. But if you don't discipline your child, the Bible says you hate that child. You're not doing them any favor. You're raising, you're raising up a rebel that will not, that, that unless, except for the grace of God, you understand that you're supposed to teach them how to be submitted to God. Amen? And if we don't do that, how many of y'all know someone who will not submit to God, the Bible has a word for that, right? And Andrew's in here, so I'm not going to say that word because he wouldn't understand the context, but illegitimate. I really like the way King James put it. I really like the way King James put it out there because that just takes the varnish all the way off of it. If you don't receive discipline, you're not sons, you're... Right? And so, but you realize that even if God has to punish you for, for your direct disobedience, that does not change your relationship. He's still Abba, Daddy, Father. And still, all he wants you to do is come back to. He wants you to repent every time. God, you know, God, God doesn't just uh, allow punishment to come upon people just to so go. <laughs> I got even with you. I'm God. You don't mess with me. That's not His intention. God's intention is look, the way the transgressor is hard. Jesus, said, you understand? Jesus said, "Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest." Right? I will give you rest. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. And so God, His intention is any time you step out from obedience to God and you get out from underneath His hand of protection and you make yourself vulnerable to an attack of the enemy, you understand this, that it is not God just trying to put you in your place and get you to know your role, but it's God saying, you know what, come on back to Daddy. Come on. it's. I know it's hard now, but come on back and do it daddy's way because I love you, I'm going to forgive you, and I'm still daddy. And I'm going to get you restored, and you come back, and you repent, and you get back in obedience, and I'm going to rebuke this thing so quick and make your head spin because I'm not going to stand around and watch my child be abused. Right? Because if I'm in the mall and Clay misbehaves, I'm going to tell him I'm going to lay hands on you suddenly, son, if you don't straighten up. And if I take my child to the bathroom and I have to lay hands on a particular part of his anatomy rapidly and vehemently to get him to straighten up, how many of you know I'm his daddy, and I'm not going, and I'm not doing it to abuse him. I'm doing it to teach him. But um, don't let nobody else come see my kid misbehaving and think you're gonna snatch him away from me in the mall and start wailing on him. Amen. Mm, daddy hair gonna get up. Daddy's hair is gonna get up. Matter of fact, I might be teaching you a thing or two. I might be laying some hands on you suddenly and vehemently and repetitively, right? Because that's my baby. That's my child. You don't, And that's the way God, God's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, devil. No, 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 no. That's my child. They've repented. They've come back. And you know what? Mm-mm. We ain't going to put up with this. Back off. Um, but you're members of the household of God. Ephesians uh, 1, verses 3 through 6. It says that we were predestined in Christ to the adoptions of sons. Let's just turn there real quick. Ephesians uh. 1, verses 3 through 6. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Amen, ain't that good? You realize God's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. We're going to to talk about this. This is one of those things. Remember we said that Adam lost his relationship, he lost his purpose, and he lost access to the blessings and favor of God. You realize Jesus got all that back to you. The people, people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. The blessings of God, brother Hagin, you say the blessings of God don't just fall out on you, fall on you like ripe cherries off a tree, because the Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you understand salvation. We're not, you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace through faith in the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. And remember, that we said this: faith means it's you can judge if someone's in faith or not, because if they really got faith. What they believe changes the way they think, speak, and behave. <coughs> just acknowledging, saying, oh, yeah, that's the truth. Well, that's not what the Bible calls faith. Just saying, yeah, I know Jesus was God's son and he died on a cross for me. Well, you're just acknowledging a truth. It's faith, what the Bible calls faith, when it, when it produces a corresponding action that it alters the way you live your life. But every blessing, God's already given you every blessing. The Bible says, yes, if you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. You're saved by grace through faith. Then it even, that's what even, what makes you even qualified to begin to obtain the blessings of God. Because you understand this. A person can try to, and this is where you get in people that are trying to get saved by works. They say they, If they've never been born again, they can go and they can try to do everything right and try to get the blessings of God and not get it. Right? Because they've not even been born again. Because they're not even qualified to do it. First thing is just get born again. Get born again. Make Jesus Lord. Get born again. Then you've got access to do it. Then when you start being a doer of the word, then the blessings will come on you. Right? Uh, Verse 4 says, As he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Verse 5 says, He predestined us to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. Now, I, I taught on this before when back in uh last summer summer of twenty ten, we taught through Ephesians and there's this big theological debate, oh predestination. And you got the Calvinists that say, Oh, when everybody's born it's predestined where you go into heaven or hell, you know, God's already he's already made up his mind and it's just like uh good for you, bad for you, good for you, uh good for you. Mm, I don't know, you nah, he ain't gonna make it How many of y'all know that's not what the Bible's talking about when it talks about predestination? I'm going to say this. In the mind of God, when Jesus Christ hung on the cross and he shed his blood,